All right, we are live. Let me get the show started. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody wants you to check your Twitter. And they're all watching the show in the other room. It's a... I was told you you needed to check your Twitter, Elmer. In a world of divisiveness, we bring you diversity. In a world of hate, we bring you love. In a world of fear, we inspire you to live. And now, Am I frozen? Laughing, loving, okay. and alive with your hosts, Rain Thomas, Elmer J. Howard, and Dr. Kevin. Hello, I am Steve Jobs. Did I freeze What happened everybody? to our intro? I played it. You guys were talking over it. It was just played. You guys are both talking over it. You kept on having issues. Frozen, and I kept on saying you weren't frozen. <laughs> Rain. Maybe, maybe we should be calling her Elsa because <laughs> she's frozen. Elsa, can you can you guys hear me? We can hear and see you. Can you hear and see us? Oh, well, so technical difficulties are rain. So, Steve, long time no see. What have you been up to? <laughs> and who are you? Yeah. Uh, Jack the Nipper. <laughs> I uh, I want everybody to think it's tea. Right, right. I mean, it's tea. It's tea. <laughs> Just call me Jack the Nipper. Well, if Rain was on, it's Rain sexing me. Uh, she's just sent a, uh, an unhappy face. Um, um, well, we're gonna tell her when she gets on that we've decided she's Elsa tonight. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, I see her. Hold on, let me add her back in. Is oh, the beauty any? of being in the countryside. Is it working any better? Yeah. Okay. So, so we I, go ahead. So I came, I came in as um, who did I come in as? Jobs. Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and we 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 named you Elsa, and you know, reference to you being frozen. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> you when when you're... Frozen, and the introduction was playing. I'm going, you're not frozen. You're not frozen. You're like, am I frozen? Am I frozen? <laughs> and then when the introduction went away and we could see your picture, you were frozen. And I said, that's it. She's Elsa. I'll uh, take that. I was never, I never saw the introduction either. Oh, you were, you guys were talking over it. So it was like, I was like. I was playing it. You were talking over it. Yeah, I never saw it. I was like, okay, well, maybe Elmer's having trouble because he's frozen. <laughs> so what was the sister's name? If you're Elsa, what does that make him? <laughs> Anna. Anna. So there's Anna and Elsa. And that makes me who? who um, the, the, oh. <laughs> Somebody help me. What was his name? Good Ooh. luck. Huh? Olaf, Olaf. Who Elsa are we even talking Olaf. about? What? The Frozen Who? movie? Have you not I've seen? I've never it? seen that. Ah. Well. Anyways, and I'm Jack the Nipper. <laughs> well, good. I the whole crowd is out there nipping, and I'm like, I have a show to do, but they're watching the show in the other room. Okay, the show's over. Have him explain to you to you who Elsa, Anna, and Olaf is. I, I doubt this crowd will be able to tell me that. So, <laughs> and nope, you can't there. tell Rain. I'm not at home either. Yeah, I was going to say, well, and where are you? With at Kevin's house, actually. Oh, <laughs> I'm upstairs. He's downstairs. Okay, got it. Well, at least your internet is working. Well, yeah. If it wasn't, we'd both be screwed. <laughs> Yep. So you are in Mayberry. You should be on TV. 
Yep. Do, 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 do. You'll see lots of pictures here soon. Well, it's funny. Um, on Friday night, because Elmer arrived Friday, we've got this big thing going on all weekend. We'll tell you about it. But when Elmer arrived and uh, before we went to the airport to pick up our our uh, crew from Utah that's here for the weekend, um, we were watching the new the first uh, first episode of the new season of RuPaul UK Drag Race, and their first challenge was the celebration of the BBC's hundredth anniversary, and they refer to it as Auntie B Auntie B really. And- and I was like, I'm like, I don't know what that's. I, I must just stand for something with BBC or whatever. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, Mayberry, but I'm like, it can't be Mayberry. It's the BBC. And Albert looks it up and goes, that's a reference to Mayberry. <laughs> See, Mayberry is like world famous. People don't realize that. People take that very seriously. So I'm here with Elvis. When, when, when other time in your life? would you get to see me with Elvis and all my friends at Mayberry who are watching. So say hello, you guys. <laughs> yeah, type it in. I, so wait a second. Really? Rain, you live in Vegas, the land of endless of endless Elvises in chapels, marrying people who don't know the name of the person they're married to the next <laughs> month. What do you mean? Where would I see you with Elvis? On the strip, baby. Yeah, that yeah, I don't fool around with those. This this Elvis <laughs> is a really talented friend of mine and we met in Mayberry years ago. And it, it's we've performed <laughs> together too. So this for me it's the real deal. Oh. So we now know when Elvis left the building, this is the building he ended up in. Exactly. <laughs> So why are you in Mayberry? Why are you going to Chattanooga? Why are you chatting up someplace else? I don't know where West Virginia was. Mayberry Mayberry was not in West Virginia. Mayberry was in North Carolina. Well, and that's where Mayberry still is. And I didn't go to West Virginia. Oh, I thought you were in West Virginia for some reason. <laughs> no, usually I get through there at some point, but not this year, at least not yet. So what's your connection to Mayberry days? You know, the connection is my friend, Ann Vaughn, who, um, whose house I'm staying at and who actually is the one that I met years ago. She got me in the tractor parade in Mayberry. And uh, yeah, that's history. That's a different show. And um, then she got me into Mayberry because she is uh, instrumental in all things Mayberry in the visitor center some years ago. And because I love, pr- you know, prunes are sexy. They found an episode about the prune queen with Barney and they put me in the parade as the prune pitter. But then they realized I could sing. So I would kick off Mayberry's proclamation with America the Beautiful. But then Michael Hoover, Michael Elvis Hoover uh, kicked me off and started uh, taking over the proclamation. Now, that's not true. I'm just saying because, you know, the room. But he actually does some stuff with the uh, proclamation. So I sing. I performed last night at Mayberry and I was in the parade uh, Saturday morning as the prune queen. And you'll see pictures of me and Sunsweet sponsored me once again with lots and lots and lots of individual prunes that I threw out at the parade. So Mayberry has the cleanest colon of any other town right now. I'm here to tell you their toilet paper, uh, Stock has gone up about 145% this weekend, thanks to me. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm not even sure where to start with all of that. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's that's Mayberry. Good stuff. Good folks. So you've been so you went there to sing and be pity. Yes, <laughs> and, and pity. show them a moving experience through prunes. As long as no one calls you a cow. <laughs> exactly. Which I didn't see the cow this year either. Well, you know, what can we say? Good cow, you know, uh, you know, uh, a good cow is hard to find. <laughs> Elmer, have you ever heard that? No. Nope. You never heard a good cow is hard to find? No. Nope. Okay. Well, 
Elmar, I'm going to ask you to be quiet because you're talking way too much. Oh, as, and usual. I, <laughs> as usual. So, but, Elmer, you want to tell them what, what, why you're here for the weekend? Yeah, part of, part of the rebranding of uh, New Hampshire Metaphysical and Dr. Kevin, um, we're doing photo shoots and uh, promo reels and videos and, and whatnot. And I'm even getting some headshots for myself. Um, they did some headshots for uh, a couple with a camera camera to give me for my filmmaking as well, besides my accounting business. Um, uh, so yeah, so it's a long weekend of doing that. And then we have Monday tomorrow, we have social media strategy with them as well, getting our social media person to understand the strategy of the brand launch and just in general, you know, keeping the marketing and advertising up as we launch the new, the new Dr. Kevin and the new New Hampshire metaphysical. That's great news. And it's no longer Dr. Kevin. Are you going to, you going to, I don't want to say it, but are you going to change that too? Like, like, like on your, like, like on this show, you know, are you going to keep that moniker? I don't know. I, I haven't thought it through yet. I mean, I know that I'm going to keep the Dr. Kevin radio show, the Dr. Kevin radio show, because it's been the Dr. Kevin radio show for 17 years. I'm not going to change it now. Right. And, you know, but, uh, we're not sure. And, you know, there's a, a couple of teasers. I'm going through a major rebranding and logo. I mean, when Elmer and I bought Meta New Hampshire Metaphysical at the beginning of this year, you know, we knew that it, it was a serviceable site that was that represented it at a certain level. But we bought it to, to bring it to a new higher level and a more national and international market. And so, you know, we had to up our prunes and, um, you know, give them a little squeeze, show a little prune cleavage, you know, to the world to, uh, you know, uh, make sure that the world had a moving experience in New Hampshire metaphysical. So they've done the website and stuff like this, but I'm being completely rebranded. New logo, new branding. So, I mean, like... Elmer, I mean, I think Elmer had four outfit changes and we maybe did, between the two of us, they, they maybe did, what, 50 or 100 shots of you, if that? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we did the individual ones and then for New Hampshire Metaphysical, Prosperity, Financial Accounting, and a, and a couple for Thrive Productions. And then you and I did, did some for us jointly with for New Hampshire Metaphysical. Yeah. But the Kevin, uh, but the but the new the new launch, the new site, the new everything for me, um, and all the different things I do under one brand instead of brand fragmentation was they took over a thousand pictures. I had over twenty outfit changes. I had two days and I shot uh, I don't know a dozen like promo videos, intro videos, introducing new retreats. I'm going to be offering new workshops I'm going to be doing, new services I'm going to be doing. Like I am three sheets past a prune. I'm a raisin now, I think. I don't think <laughs> I have enough pump to be a prune. <laughs> ah! Well, I'm sure because all that stuff is exhausting and you have to stay on the entire time. Yep. Well, and it was really funny and I know we want to get to our guests, but you know, this couple, I mean, they've been doing this for years. They've branded a lot of people. They've helped a lot of people get into more of a national, international thing. I mean, I've known them for years because they taught at the, the same MBA, uh, MBA level boot camp for entrepreneurs that I taught at. And so we have a long history and they just have, I mean, it's phenomenal level work. And um, when we partnered up to do this, and to do all of this stuff, I knew that this was a commitment for a shift or a change of my streams of income, where I wanted my energy to go, uh, you know, where I want to be in the world in a lot of ways at this, at this stage of my life. And so, I mean, we are, we are literally, I mean, this is a, probably the biggest shift my business has had in the 33 years that I've had it. So... so I know we're trying to get to our guests, but I have a question. So a lot of people that are watching this shift, are they going to be able to see the transition and transformation? And how is that going to help 
us all overall? Well, it's it's clarifying my message and it's it's I'm really going to move to do more workshops and I'm going to do more retreats and more intense work, but do less instead of like, you know, during the pandemic, you know, I had like 18 months where I was doing 38 to 42 hours of clients a week, every week, week in and week out, plus trying to write the books, plus trying to teach classes. And so it's kind of a shift. Um, and to and to raise and I'm and it's also I, I'm they're going to be creating a speaker reel with me and I, it's time for me to go back on the big stages. I've been on big stages before. I say big stages, medium stages. You know, like five, six hundred people. I mean, that's not a big stage, but that's a that's a that's a decent, that's a medium stage. It's not. A, I wouldn't call that a small stage, but you know, just trying to get help me get my message out in a more efficient way. And then the other news I have, and then I'm going to let you introduce tonight's guest because there's very little about her in the write-up. Um, and I know that you have a personal relationship with her. So, um, but on this, a week ago today, after 133 days, my first draft of the book is done. I think I'm frozen. No, we see you. Yeah, you just said, I think I'm frozen. <laughs> and maybe maybe frozen? we're frozen for her. Maybe we're frozen for her. She's not responding now. She left again. So. Oh. Well, when she comes back, I will tell her what I just told her if she didn't hear. And then we're going to make sure we bring our guest in because we want to get going. And if she gets frozen out, she'll just have to come back in. And But we'll keep the interview going, obviously. This poor woman is sitting there going, I am sitting here. Why? <laughs> so do you have her information in front of you since we lost Rain? Or do you want to Rain? Oh, Rain's here. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, do, 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 so you, you weren't frozen. And we heard you talking. You were still moving while we were like, you're not frozen. like, And you didn't respond to us. You were just sitting there. I could see your eyes blinking and everything. Yeah. So... Can you hear me now? Yeah, I didn't hear oh. anything. It was just both of you were frozen. Oh, are we frozen now? She froze. Oh, boy. She froze. <laughs> I, can oh. you hear us? Can you hear but us, you Ray? can hear me, so I'll just keep talking. Yes. Okay. So did you hear I what I hear said? I hear you, but I... <laughs> Do you want me to introduce the guest? Yes. yes. Did you hear the last thing I said? So Deb and I, I don't even remember how we met. I think we met at. Oh, we lost. <laughs> so Deb, where did you guys meet? Because Rain's not going to get it. Rain's well, not going to be able to play. Where did you meet there? I, I, I think we met uh, on the internet. Uh, her being the breast cancer <clears throat> survivor and myself and i believe that's where we met and it's probably been about a year ago okay so i know that that you offer retreats in fact you talked about you've got a retreat coming up um but i'd like to find out can you tell can you share with us a little bit about what was your life like before the diagnosis like who was deb before uh the cancer knocked on her door? Well, I have a pretty sad story. I lost my son in 2006. He was a tugboat captain in Anchorage, Alaska, and he was 22 years old and he'd only been there just barely five days. They found him dead on the boat. And so then seven months Later, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. So I really felt strong that I would have never gotten breast cancer had I not had such horrible grief with the loss of my son. And so before breast cancer was really floundering to stay alive and mental health had set in and there was a lot of bad stuff that I was dealing with and I needed to figure out you know, how I was going to get myself back going again. And then boom, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Does that answer your question? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, I'm sorry about the loss of your son. Thank you. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to ask is, if, did they find the cause of it? Um, no. Uh, his death certificate with two different autopsies actually reads inconclusive. So what we feel like had happened is like the kids that are on the court and they run up and down the court, something goes wrong, elect wrong electrically with their heart. Boom, they're down, but the coach yep. is there and he's just refibulated them and he's got them back going again. Well, I can tell you in Anchorage, they all had fibrillation certification, but they didn't have any equipment and it was a long ways from the dock out in the ocean where they were at. So, you know, he was an organ donor. Obviously, the organs died. Um, yeah, there was, you know, two autopsies. <clears throat> I love, love, loved the uh, doctor who did the autopsy in Anchorage. And I call him frequently and ask him different questions about you know, well, did you check for ventricular dysplasia? And he always says, you know, I'm never going to put Casey's file away because obviously you're going to be one of those parents that's just going to call me until you're gone. And that's the truth of the matter. So we've really looked into it, but we don't know what happened to our boy. How do you feel that that shaped your experience when you got the diagnosis? Well, <clears throat> I was pretty bitter, pretty angry, um, devastated, really didn't think I would ever get my life back on track. And then when I had breast cancer, you know, funerals for kids are big and it was a big service and all my friends were there. And they put the cards in the basket and they brought the flowers. But as a parent, I can tell you that the flowers died and the cards weren't opened for years because of the pain of the cards. And so uh, most of my friends didn't know what to say or do. So they did nothing. And so I just got bitter and angry. And then I had that diagnosis. Then my friends all swooped back down, wanted to be there and help me and, you know, be the, be the best support that they could be. But I was bitter. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. If you can't be there for the biggest, worst event in my life, I don't need you for breast cancer. So I went through all that treatment <clears throat> all by myself. It was pretty lonely. So now how many years ago did this happen? That was 2006 when Casey died. And then 2007, I was diagnosed and went through 26 rounds of chemo. So now we're looking at basically 15 years later. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> In looking back there, what is your perspective of what happened now that you didn't have then when you were in it? Well, <clears throat> I wish now I would have let my friends help me get through to the other side because it was a pretty lonely journey. But because um, they just weren't there when I needed them, right after Casey's death because they didn't know what to say and they didn't know what to do. So I just got angry. I just stayed pretty angry and bitter. But a turning point for me was being connected with another group of ladies who were going on this um, experience in Greece. And uh, so I went to Athens, hopped on a catamaran with nine other moms who had also lost a child. And I was out at sea in the Mediterranean Sea for 10 days, 10 islands, 10 moms, 10 different stories. And I just came back this 
new person. I just knew exactly what it was going to be to put myself back into the game of life. And that was to start retreats, <clears throat> help women with breast cancer. You know, it's, I, I, what I, what I hear and I, and I want to share this um, with you is, you know, obviously from a very different perspective, but yet there's a crossover because I, I had a brother who got killed at 24. So I was there as, you know, uh, you know, for my mother, for, you know, everything that went on. I was, he was 24. Uh, I was 19. Uh, no, I wasn't. I'm sorry. I was 18 still. I hadn't turned 19. I turned 19 a couple of days, uh, a couple months later. So I was 18. He was 24. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I remember all of the attempts and mistakes and things and oftentimes people don't know what to say. And, you know, death is one of those things that makes everybody feel a little helpless, like what to do. Yes. So, you know, and then when you look at uh, somebody having that choice, because as bitter as you were, you chose to live. You made a choice to live. And you say you were very alone. And I say, I bet Casey was with you every step of the way. Pretty sure I bet he was. never left your side. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, in, in an odd twist of fate, um, Casey may have helped you more from the other side than he would have from this side. So I just, I wanted to share that. I, 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 you know, uh, some of the crazy stuff I do is mediumship and grief work. And I mean, this is all in my wheelhouse. I've, I've had a full-time practice for 33 years now. So, you know, helping people deal with the death and the births and the rebirths and all of that. So, um, the, the, uh, retreats. So you went on this retreat and you found purpose and focus. Uh, can you share a little bit about what it was about that retreat and then start to tell us a little bit about the retreats you do today? Yes, thank you. <clears throat> so for me, um, just hearing other women's stories, knowing that they, you know, actually uh, had had started the process of one foot in front of another and moving, you know, into an inspirational side or just a side of, uh, like you say, living, you know, and so I knew as time went on, when I got back from Athens, that I was not going to be able to help moms who had lost a child. I mean, it just, that just wasn't going to work for me. It was too near and dear and I couldn't even, possibly fathom uh, the possibility of having, you know, six or eight women throw out their grief on the table and me try to fumble through that. I don't have any degrees for that. I'm just a loving, caring person. So that was out, totally out. But I knew after going through breast cancer that I could help women go through breast cancer. So we started out with three-day retreats the first year. I bought this house up on the lake in central Oregon, and we did a lot of retreats up there, but it was too far from the metropolitan area. And so we moved to a floating home on the Columbia River. I bought this big, huge 2,800 square foot floating home, and we did retreats there for four years. And the retreats consist of, you know, some healthy eating from a chef who would come in, paddleboarding, kayaking, a boat excursion. Uh, a lot of yoga, meditation, um, a jewelry maker would come in and help them make something to take home to remember their retreat. Then when the pandemic hit, uh, we just had to pivot. We had to switch gears. You know, we were mandated by the uh, Oregon uh, Nonprofit Association, and we could only have six guests at a time, which is fine. 
and we needed the six feet distance. So we still had them. It's just that we had them outside. We had them on the party barge boat. I still coach some yoga and some paddleboarding and some kayaking. And well, that first year after the pandemic, we had 87 women come through. This year we've had 110. So, and in Oregon, you know, um, the weather is always a challenge. So we start the retreats after the 4th of July and they just finished around the 10th of September. So you still have this 2,800 square foot. <clears throat> I, I sold that 2,800 square foot uh, floating home when the pandemic hit. I knew I was not doing any more three-day retreats. It was, it was coming to an end. I could see it. And so now we just do day retreats and they get to tell their story. They have lunch. They arrive at 10 in the morning and they go home at three. So it works really well. So what was the shift? I've, I've done everything from run a 12-day retreat to a one-day retreat. Yep. In, in a number of different areas. Um, so what what was lost and what was gained by going from three days to one day? I don't really believe anything other than a lot of relationships are built with women. Women don't always trust. They have to build a little trust. And I saw a lot of relationships form and these relationships to this day are still bonded. So I believe that that's one thing that we don't actually have. Uh, some relationships are built in a day, but not the same as a three-day retreat. Now, I'm going to tell you that our 10-year anniversary is this year. And we uh, actually have opened up a 30 women retreat and we're going to Maui. And um, these women, our nonprofit has been structured that no one ever pays. And so all the retreats, the day retreats, the three day retreats over the years, these women have always come at no cost. And that's why we fundraise. So we could not afford to take 30 women to Maui and we're staying at cabins just outside of Lahaina. So it's very affordable, but they had to buy their own airfare and then they had to pay a fee. But I've hooked up with another nonprofit called what makes you feel beautiful. And she's on the Island and she has networked with me and helped me so much we are bringing hula dancing. We're bringing lay making. We are going, um, well, we're doing the first walk ever in Maui and we are partnered. So that's pretty exciting. Um, we have a lot of things that are coming to us at the camp that we're staying at um, versus, you know, women just hopping in an Uber and going here and going there. It's very structured. So Pretty excited. How, how many days is that retreat? Seven. Seven. Okay. Um, Helpful so, hints, Doc. Yes. Helpful hints on how I'm going to get through with seven days. I've never done one. Um, well, you know, I I feel so. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you some helpful hints, which is that. I would look at creating some parallel opportunities where you can have smaller groups than the 30 be doing things and crossing over, creating their own little mini communities. So maybe not everybody wants to hula and maybe not everybody wants to lay, make a left. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long day. It wasn't even intentional. <laughs> um, but also, uh, you know, there's there's some there's there's lots of fun getting to know you things that make time pass and open up conversations. And I don't know how much you do rituals or or sacred activities. 
you know, I mean, uh, I, I like retreats where, you know, you're, you can do the fire pits and you can do the drumming and you can have people that do something in a sacred way of, you know, releasing everything that they associate with the cancer. I, I have a, I have a one-on-one -on -one client that I'm working with right now who is on the other side of her cancer and she is getting a, um, she is having her close community come and they're cleaning everything out of her house and saging it and doing dance and doing all of these wonderful things. And everything that was associated with the cancer that she no longer needs is gonna get donated and brought out in a, in a celebratory rebirth moment. So I think in seven days, I, you know, I would be doing activities that built on themselves. I would have a, uh, a poetry or essay writing of, you know, what were the gifts and what are the things you're ready to leave behind? And I would have a ritual around it. And so I, you know, these are the things that I, I would say would be the hints. So it's not all separate activities, but there's threads that are, that, that go through it and look for, look for the mini communities and support those to grow and then to do connection between the communities. I don't know if any of that was helpful, but those were my thoughts. It is helpful. And some of that will be done. Definitely. You know, at all my retreats, <clears throat> um, I always say you can partake or not. So if you came to Maui to sit on the beach and read a book, you can do that also. So we don't really have a lot of workshops going on a lot more fun than actual, you know, workshops. And so I, I feel like th there will be six women per cabin. So I believe, and none of these women actually know each other. I know all the players, but they don't necessarily know each other. And yeah. I just think, you know, six women on a twin bed, you know, um, per person in a very small cabin on the beach Wow. I mean, that's close quarters. And right. um, that leads into a question we have from a, from a listener. Um, how does a survivor get vetted for these retreats? Well, there, <clears throat> there's really no rhyme or reason for any of the uh, survivors to fill out a form. They just will uh, connect on our website, tell us that they're interested and then um, we start our retreats, like I said, in July. But I will contact them and let them know some dates that we already have set. And definitely they could um, come to a retreat. Our mission statement is all about breast cancer. So pretty much that's it. We don't, you know, no one has to pass a test or, you know, have any special we even had a lady this summer who came in a wheelchair and it was beautiful. I mean, nope, she was not in the Columbia River floating on a pink flamingo or she wasn't paddleboarding or kayaking. But I'm telling you what, getting her down that ramp was difficult because the ramp is very steep. But it all worked out. I called the harbor master. He came at three o'clock and got her safe to the top and just had a beautiful day. Her wheelchair wheeled right onto our party barge boat and just seeing the happiness, the joy and that big smile on her face, you know, again, it heals me. So the website, pinksisters.com. Dot org. Yes. Dot org. So pinksisters.org. I just want to say that you said go to the website and is it so well I'm gonna put it in the in the I'm gonna post it. Is it uh pink S I S T A S? S I S T A S dot org. Yes. Thank you. So um you're doing this as the 10 year anniversary. Yes. What do you see as, because you've made, you've made a lot of shifts, 
you're now doing one day retreats. Now, where do the one day retreats happen? Because you said that the right bar on the Columbia River, <clears throat> right on the Columbia River. We're in a marina where the boat is moored. And I coach in the safe water, not out in the Columbia, but in the marina, paddleboarding, kayaking. We have lunch in a gazebo right there at the marina. And then we always go out on a couple party barge boat rides. Our party barge boat was donated by a, a Weston Kia, uh, who is one of our biggest sponsors. So we've had the boat five years and it got a new wrap this year. So it's very cute. It has bubbles and sparkle and of course pink on it. So it's pretty cool. Um, I have a, we have another a audience question. Um, how can people help you? Wow. That's a really good question. I always say one of the ways that you can help us is we estimate it's only a $25 fee per person to come to our retreat. This year, we will have had 110 women at our retreat. So a $25 fee would take care of their lunch, a little bit of gas, and a fabulous day of laughing and having a great time with other like-minded women with breast cancer. Can, so can that they, would be one way they could help. Can they do that on the website? They can. Yeah. And of course, there's no limit. You know, fundraising is fundraising and fundraising has been super tough these past two years. Really, really hard. And another thing that you need to know about our nonprofit is we have no paid positions. And what I mean by that is all of us are volunteers, including myself, the director, the founder, we do this from our heart. My board members are so vested. It, it's amazing what we have done and created and been able to do with a minimal balance. We don't have much money, but I'm telling you that what money we do have has really created a beautiful thing. We don't do support groups. We only do these day retreats. People keep asking me, how much longer, Deb? You're 66. How much longer? Boy, that's a great question. I don't know. It fills my heart with so much joy and so much love. I come home after every one of these retreats and Ron always says, you've fallen in love with another group of women, haven't you? And I'm telling you, it has healed my heart from Casey's death from my own journey at breast cancer. And it's very interesting when um, somebody is living their joy, living their passion, yeah. when they have found their unique gifts and yes. talents to deliver to the world as yeah. a big present with a big pink bow on it that says, sister. Yeah. Yes. Why would you stop? You know, why would I stop? This past year going down the ramp, my knee started to twinge just a tiny bit. Um, I do all of this myself, but I'm here to tell you there was this guest this year. Her name was Michelle. She has metastatic breast cancer. She's 48 years old. And here's what she said to me. If you have any openings, I just want to come back. And I said, I do. But sometimes it's an hour before I'll be there. She came five times this year. At the end of the season, she said, Deb, don't quit ever doing what you're doing. I want to help you. Next year, I'm going to be your assistant. I went, whoa, ah! I'm kind of a control freak. I've gotten to know her. I love her. I trust her. I'm telling you what, next season, I'm going in with a hell of a bang. But I've got somebody right beside me every step of the way. All 22 retreats, she's going to be there. And I'm sure it's going to heal her too. And that's, you know, I always say to my clients and students, you can either have 
a uh, God, spirit, whatever, that conspires to hurt you or hold you back or judge you or criticize you, or you can have a God that conspires to help you, to bring you joy and bring you the right people at the right time yes. for you to continue to be able to do your joy. And yeah. so, you know, when it comes to the red pill or the blue pill, you pick the right pill because you got the right God because it sounds like they conspired to help you there, Deb. <laughs> yes. Hands, you may shift and change what you can do, um, but with what you're doing, I don't have any doubt you will be blessed and find those people to help you do it. So you can shift it. But again, why why would you walk away? Yeah. Especially with um, me, it hurts. Oh. I, I, and I love, love, love what I do. I do. I love it. It's a short and season. But I'm telling another, you. Go ahead. Another question. Um, this is from a mom who also had a son, uh, who had a son who committed suicide. Um, has this helped you understand your grief coping mechanism mechanisms? You know, I think what, you know, I always say that, well, I'm just going to give this example at the retreats. We always have an opportunity to share our story. And my story is not so much about breast cancer. I feel strongly that everyone has the a worst thing that has ever happened to them. And that, shapes them with pretty much with their story. And I'm going to tell you that that loss of Casey, 22 years old, I mean, has just put me down on my knees. And it's an every single day, minute, hour that I think about him. It's something that never is going to go away. But it's how we shift and what we do to bring joy. And for me, Casey loved the river and he loved the ocean. So doing the retreats heals me every single time I do a retreat. I've had people because I... You know, again, I've done the grief work and I've done from from how I work hospice and and, uh, and dealt with loss and grieving as part of my practice. And we can keep them alive as a weight or as a set of wings. Yes. yes. And when we celebrate them and keep them alive as a set of wings... We've lost them in physical form, but in some ways we've integrated them in another form that, you know, gives them a life of their own that they get to continue even when they do not have the physical body to walk in to do it. And I always remember a young kid that was struggling with the loss of his um, he was very, very close and, uh, to his grandfather, who was like a father to him, really. And it was a sudden loss. And he was like, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, talk about him every day. Find your favorite stories. Share them with them. Make sure that everybody you ever meet knows about that grandfather. And you yeah. will keep it alive. Yeah. And that was maybe a dozen years ago. And probably about two years ago, we crossed paths somewhere. And he's still telling stories about his grandfather. And he told me, my grandfather's still alive. Yeah. You know, as a parent, <clears throat> um, it's been 15 years now that Casey's been gone. And for the mom who's just gone through, you know, the suicide, I can tell you that the memories fade. And boy, we just hold on to them. I mean, we, we, we cherish them. But doctor, the worst part about all of this is I can look in someone's eyes and be telling a fabulous memory or a story about Casey. And when they look away, they're done. They don't want to hear anything more about the story simply because they're uncomfortable. So I've really learned to read body language. 
And yes, I have those people who I tell all the stories to and listen with open heart. But it is difficult because people say, oh, Deb, I don't want you to cry. I don't want to, you know, at the retreats, they say, so what's your story? And I say, well, yes, I had breast cancer. Yes, it was stage three. But I want to tell you the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And that's the loss of my son, Casey. And not to one up them ever, 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 ever. It's just, that's my story. Well, and I think that, you know, there are ways because I, you know, you know, I, I have a decided edge over some people because I still talk to all these people. Every person that I've ever been close to that has died. And there's been a ton of them at this point because I lost two brothers actually, um, at, uh, you know, uh, in their, in, in their adult life, my adult life. Um, and, but they're still, they're still alive to me. I still talk to them. And of course, you know, I do mediumship. So that helps a little bit, but I, you know, it's also about like, when I tell stories about these people that I love, I don't, I, I rarely, I, sometimes if they ask, how did they, how did they die? I tell them. And if somebody asks that question, then they want to know, and maybe it's going to be healing for them. But a lot of the times I tell the stories that celebrate them. Like, I want to hear who was Casey besides the tugboat captain? Wow. What, tell me something that makes me say, I know this Casey. Because I don't know about the guy that died on the tugboat and what and how he died on the tugboat. The coroner, the, the, the guy that did the autopsy doesn't even know but tell me besides the fact he loved the river tell me who casey was keep casey alive not his death yes life tell yes. me about his death yes yes well don't he, away from that never yes. well he loved love loved fishing and hunting he was an avid fisherman and a hunter he loved working on cars and trucks he was really into mechanics. There was nothing that kid couldn't fix. He was quite this diver. After fishing season in the Wind River, that kid would put on that diving equipment, dive down to the bottom of the river and collect all the lures that the uh, fisherman had lost. He loved splitting wood and cutting wood and camping and you know, rock climbing with a big, huge Jeep that had the biggest ass tires you ever saw in your life. I couldn't even get up into the Jeep. I needed a step stool and I'm 5'8". But that's just a little bit of who Casey was. Just this amazing outdoor, um, meek, mild, loving, caring smart kid that yeah gave me a lot of joy thank you for asking and i keep hearing the word gentle yes he was a very gentle caring loving soul he That's really was hearing is gentle he was yeah he was gentle he was. and you know you tell this to me and my my first brother that i lost when he was 24 he was a diver. <laughs> he loved going into the river that we grew up on. He was actually doing repairs on a rig in Louisiana because he was studying oceanography because he wanted to be an oceanographer and a marine biologist. And he was and he would go down and he was, you know, and it had nothing to do with with why he died. I don't I don't need to say why he died. If people ask again, I tell them. But but I hear, I can hear Billy. Your Casey is, is, is in a way my Billy. And I hear him and I saw all of the connections of um, that love of nature, that picture that I have right over there of him in Alaska 
with wow. the snow and his long hair below it and his, then his, the snow coming and his Irish, his little Irish tweed cap and his long black hair and he's in Alaska <laughs> and I have the knife that he cut the fish with sitting right in my kitchen. Yep, yep. You know, a funny story when Casey headed off to Anchorage, he called me one day and he said, I am kitch catching the biggest salmon you've ever seen in your life. Get rid of that flip phone and get an iPhone so I can send you pictures. And I said, oh, buddy, I hate technology. He goes, Matt, your choice. But I'm telling you what, you will, will not believe these big, huge salmon that I'm catching. So I did. I ran into town and got the iPhone, messed around with it. And I mean, he was just there five days. So I did have like three days worth of him, you know, just blasting my phone with salmon pictures and new friends that he had made. And yeah, the life. We have a comment. Um, thank you, Deb. Just went to your website. You're a huge inspiration. Oh, thank you. You know, I say it truly was the year from hell, and I do mean the year from hell, but I made some I may had to make some choices. I could stay bitter and angry, and I've met a lot of parents that have stayed bitter and angry because it's a pretty angry state of mind when we don't get to see our children grow up. But I'm going to tell you that I've moved on over to total inspiration. I love, love, love what I do. Yes, I miss my boy every single day <clears throat> and will forever. But I've really chose to move to joy, happiness, inspiration, and really helping other women go through breast cancer. It's, I just feel so not lucky, blessed to know that I found my calling. I found my calling. A lot of people never find their calling in their life, but I did. It was through devastation, but I did. You know, something I learned about in counseling was this. The deepest love is the love a mother has for her child. Therefore, it's the deepest pain that we will ever endure. And loss. the greatest well from which we can draw. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm smiling. Thank you yeah. for the reminder. Okay. We've only about two minutes. I'm going to, um, because rain. I think it's still having technical issues. Um, next. She's partying. She's out there partying. And That's right. RFD, eating blueberry <laughs> pies and drinking blueberry schnapps. But I, I, I got to tell you that she actually helped me with some fundraising recently. I love, love, love her gloss that she custom makes. And, of course, um, we joined together and she i had a budget i could not go over this budget my board members keep me reined in deb you're getting out there too far and so she helped me with part of the cost of that gloss for next year's swag bags and i really really appreciate that gift that she actually did for me she doesn't know me that well she didn't need to do that she did that out of love. Thank you. Thank you, Rain. Yeah, that's that's our Rain. Uh, yeah. So we have a minute left. Um, I want to announce our next guest on October 9th um, is Josh Johnson. Uh, he is a comedian. And I'm um, sure we hope more about him um, once Rain can come back. But uh, we have um, just about 30 seconds. So I don't know if any last words um, from either of you. We have a book. It's on our website, 28 authors share their story of breast cancer, all local women, beautifully written. 
It's it's a beautiful book, and it's only fifteen dollars on our website. Okay. So check it. Well, we want to thank you for joining us. Good luck uh, in this Maui retreat of yours. Thank you. Uh, and we're thrilled that Rain does what Rain does, which is to rain love down on everyone. She does. Um, and and uh, I, most interesting people. Yeah, I'm going to play us out. You can you can hold on um, with us, Deb, if, you, if you're able to. But I'm going to play our, our outro video and uh, end the show. Thanks for watching or listening to the Laughing, Loving, Into Live show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or support us with Buy Me A Coffee. To catch all of the latest from Laughing, Loving, and Alive, you can follow us on Instagram at Laughing, Loving, and Alive, and on Facebook at Laughing, Loving, and Alive. Thanks again, and see you next time.